0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates' national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Speaking of being able to pee whenever you want, I have a new great-nephew. Wow. We need to talk about that. Wow. you know about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We're getting an official photograph. Apparently they have a onesie just for me. I can only imagine what the onesie says on it or what designs may be drawn on it, including one with a certain finger that may be sprouting skyward. Sure. Like one of the photos I did get the other night of him giving the finger. That was the tease, and here is the payoff. Wow. They made a prison Uncle Mike onesie that he would not wear. He refused to wear it, so it's a blanket until he chooses to slip his little seven pound three ounce body into it. But he's home, he's fine, he's adorable, and he's pissed. <laughs> he's, That's better. Look, he's,
1: he's like, this is better.
0: I'm cozier now. That, that But uh, look at his look. He's giving you. He's he, he's giving you the side. I, I think you called him selfish. I think you called him selfish. I think that's the explanation. Uh, nah, he it finally know occurred me. to me.
1: He doesn't know me yet. He can't. He doesn't. He's more. He, he's worried about you. He's going. Well, who's this guy? They're forcing on me. Who's this guy? I hear they call him the Grinch at times. Is he going to give me Christmas gifts during the holidays? That's what the kid's worried about right now. He doesn't know what he's that's dealing it. with here.
0: That's a, a, an age progression of. Baby Miles 50 years from now, uh still giving the figure. Oh, I'm going to spoil the hell out of the kid. Oh, it's going to be bad. This is the first baby in the family in 15 years. This kid's getting everything. I don't care. The parents can deal with him being a little
1: SH-T-T-T-Y. Or, or,
0: or, sh- or SH-I-T, as you would say. Like, that makes it all right. But yeah, they can deal with him because I am spoiling him. We're already doing the math. Like, when can we have him here for a week? Like how old does he have to be before we can have him for a week? Although a week may be too long. One of the benefits of being an uncle is that whenever it gets to be a little too much. Yeah, you go. See ya, I go. gotta go. See ya. Gotta here, go. Here, parents. Gotta go gotta go do something. You take him. Have but, him. Back. Uh, so a week a week I may want to wait a while. I may be biting off more than I can chew. It's been a you long are. time since I've had a little one around for a full week, so yes. we'll wait on that. We'll put a pin on that, but we're going to go see them on Saturday. I can't wait. At the first, Yeah, first time in 15 years.
1: Where are uh, they? Where? Family, how far down you? the road are they? Where exactly is it? Three this? hours. Is three hours. Columbus, They're, in, they're in Columbus. Hours. It's the Columbus family there. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I would – I would say, yes, yeah, tread lightly on you know that early invitation to stay for a week. I mean, there is a certain age I think you need to hit first before you want that kid coming to your house and you want to deal with them for four or five nights or a week, whatever it is. I don't know what that age is, but I would say once yeah, a week, gosh, they better be like six or above, I I would want to say. I was thinking five. Yeah, I I, thinking there, five. somewhere in that, that range, I think you're safe. You're out of the, the diaper phase. They eat everything. You know, you shouldn't have too many accidents other than just some normal child stuff. The problem is, if I wait too long, then I'll be the one
0: having the accidents. So there's a sweet spot in there, you know, before I get too old to have a kid around. See, that's why he's giving the side
1: eye right there. He's like, what? (laughs) I'm not coming over there. What the hell? That guy, I might have to change his diaper one day. The hell with that. (laughs) There is a wild card in all of this.
0: My wife and I were talking about it the other night. Our dog may not be all that thrilled about a little baby in the house, so... Who knows? Who knows? Another the baby dog is very compete. protective. Yeah, yeah, right. Very protective of her mother. Doesn't care as much about her father, except when it's time to eat some of dad's pizza crust. But uh, the rest of the time, very protective of mommy. So that, that may be a new dynamic that we need to deal with as well. Regardless, that's, that's the story of baby Miles, who is home from the hospital and doing well. And again, we're going to go check him out on Saturday. Thank you. Thank you. Very happy time for the family happy time for the nfl because as we transition from the the free agency and trade phase and the trade phase can still go on at any point when it comes to players the trade phase shifts to commodities yesterday draft picks as we are three weeks and two days away from round one the eagles and the saints do a little business eagles stockpiling for the future the saints making moves to have more picks now So pick 16 and 19 go from the Eagles to the Saints for pick 18 this year, plus the New Orleans Saints 2023 first rounder and more stuff on top of it. So in the middle of the round one now, you still have the Eagles with uh, a couple of picks, but they gave up two of the picks ahead. They were going to have three, 15, 16, 19. Now they have 15 and 18. The Saints have... 16 and 19 the chargers are the odd man out at number 18 otherwise that five slots owned by either the eagles or the saints and you know i understand why the eagles are doing it i do about it yeah stop you know especially if you think you're gonna be making a move for a quarterback next year if jalen hurts isn't the guy you got an extra first round pick next year to make a move if you want to move up that's the easiest way to do it if you can offer a team in the top 10 two first round picks now That that makes it more attractive than this year's first and next year's first. So the Eagles instantly have the ammunition to make a move if that's what they decide to do next year. And they must already be thinking about the quarterbacks that will be available next year and thinking maybe, maybe, maybe the way things go, this is going to be a a move that we try to make. Now, a lot of it comes down to Jalen Hurts,
1: but at least they have the flexibility. Chris. Definitely had the flexibility. I, I I come down to the basic logic a little bit, Mike, and, and I don't know, you know, for, for me, I was just a little bit, I, I'd rather have two and two drafts than three in one and then just one in the other draft, right? You get to be a major player in both drafts that way. You got so many assets, so it gives you more flexibility. Plus, you don't have to put all your eggs in the basket of, well, I hope we did our great evaluation this year with three first round picks like you talk about so much. There is a crapshoot element to the, the draft. You don't know for sure. So that, you know, lessens the burden on them to a degree. So I do understand that. You, I mean, I think you said it right. It gives them the flexibility to get in the quarterback conversation next year, let alone, you know, push some assets down the road to where, really, where this draft, next year's draft, the Philadelphia Eagles will have the flexibility to, to really do whatever they want and move around wherever they want. Because of the amount of picks they have in the first three rounds in both drafts,
0: and they have shown an inclination and an ability to stockpile those picks and have that that flexibility that that can. And you're right. Hey, you don't want to have too many lottery tickets. Yeah, in I was me the draft because right. you got to use them and you got to hope they hit. And if you have three and only one hit, what are people going to say? If you if two out of three hit, hey, all right, but you're putting a lot you're putting a lot on that third one. They still have two. And you better hit one of the two, but they got two this year, they got two next year, and it's all about quantity. The more opportunities you have to roll the dice on a guy who may or may not develop at the next level, the greater the chance you're going to find a guy who does, and that's what the Eagles are trying to do. Why would the Saints do this? That's the question, right? Right? Yeah. I I, I feel like they... Now, I don't think they're doing this to have a guy that can develop quietly behind the scenes. I think this is a move to get a couple of impact players now, or, or yeah. it's a stepping stone toward making a move up right. to get a quarterback, right. since Jameis Winston may
1: not be their long-term answer. I The, I mean, the first place my brain went to, Mike, was when, when teams make these types of trades usually, it's usually for... Something you know in particular, like you've talked about, you know, like it's it's for a player or at least a position that they're looking at, and that's where I'm. I don't know exactly what the Saints are doing. Going to doing, obviously, I don't. But the two things that come to my mind, the first one being, yeah, is there a top tier player that they're looking to make a trade and get up, you know, a significant number uh, amount of spots here? Is there a quarterback they think might fall? You know, to twelve or thirteen, or be in the eight or nine range, and now this gives them the ammunition to get there. That was where my brain went first, Mike. You know, uh, so so that's where. But I don't know. I mean, what do you, what do you think there? I, and, and if I feel like if they were going to do that, why not try to trade with the team maybe a little higher? I mean, I know they need the, the assets, and the Philadelphia Eagles had the picks, but uh, I, I guess that's where I'm a little confused about what they're trying to do there. But you're right. Usually when you talk
0: about making a trade up and that's essentially what they did. They gave up future assets and current assets to move up to get that selection in the top 20. Usually it's for a player or there's it's not just to have it. It's not just to have. it. Hey, you know what? We'd like to have. We decided we've got one first round pick. We've decided we just kind of like to have two. Well, why? I don't know. We just wanted to have
2: two. Yeah, right.
0: There is a strategy for it. They've done the math. They've done the mock drafts internally. We know the teams do them yes, with every possible permutation. Right. What guys do we think are going to be there with those two picks that we have? Do we want those? Those are the two guys we want. We've we've run it every way possible. And we keep coming back to no matter who the first 15 guys are off the board, yep. the way that it falls after that, we will be thrilled with the two guys we get. Or, yes. or this is a stepping stone stepping in front of maybe the Carolina Panthers at six. Panthers uh, all, all juiced up about maybe getting a quarterback at six. Maybe there's a quarterback that the Saints decide they really like. And with right. Sean Payton out of the mix, you know, Sean Payton wasn't a Deshaun Watson guy. The Saints became Deshaun Watson Focused and now maybe there's other guys that Peyton wasn't all that thrilled about, but now that who you know the the folks who are there are doing their evaluation, they're like "Eh, we kind of like Malik Willis or we kind of like Kenny Pickett or playing in the dome, don't got to worry about the tiny little hands on Kenny Pickett. So I you know I I I feel like that that, you just don't do this haphazardly. I don't know. There's a broader play here, and it's either we think we're going to get two guys we really love where we are, or we think we're going to slap these two together and we're going north. To get a guy we really love,
1: right? That that you know, I and, and uh, I know I said I thought there was two things. We we hit the first one, maybe the player, the quarterback, and all that, right? Now, to to what you're saying, like Panthers, well, what's it going to take to trade up to get up there? Now, I mean, hey, New Orleans gave up a lot yesterday just to get the extra pick in the first round, get two picks from the Philadelphia Eagles. How many more first round picks are you going to trade to to move up? To get a quarterback or jump the Falcons or jump the Carolina Panthers. And that's where I kind of stop. Because as I go down that road, I go, there. there's not a quarterback in this draft to start trading three and fourth, fourth round, future first rounds for first rounders for. At least not in my opinion. And I think that would be probably be a consensus around the NFL. I mean, again, we, we've talked about this class. This is not a class that blows anybody away. I mean, I don't think most people, Kenny Pickett might be the number one quarterback, but nobody looks at him as the guy that had the highest ceiling. So that kind of tells you. So when I think about it that way, I go, wait, then that doesn't make sense. What they're going to give up the whole farm for, for this crew right here. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they believe in one. I kind of came to what you came to, Mike, that the Saints are a team that's kind of in a rebuild, retool mode. They have more than two needs on their football team. They do. But I think what you do in securing yourself, you know, what, what, I just want to make sure I get these right. Picks 15 and 19. Let's look 16. at the Saints. Yeah, oh, sorry. They need, yeah, 16, sorry. They need a, a pass rusher. Cam Jordan's coming to the end of the career. Marcus Davin for it. He's getting at the end of his rookie contract. We know wide receivers definitely a need, and we don't know the current status of Michael Thomas. Even if Michael Thomas is back and all systems go, they need a receiver. And then the other thing is, they just lost Teron Armstead, and they got some other guys kind of, you know, getting up there too. To where I would think they're re- thinking about retooling offensive line, and that's where I kind of go back to what you think, Mike. Like pick sixteen and nineteen, you're pretty much assured through doing the mock drafts and figuring things out that you're you're going to be able to address two of those three spots on your team, if not another spot. I'm not talking about those are to me the three most glaring needs, but I, I think that. That would be the logic, I guess, if I was them. And I think we're on to something there.
0: It shows the urgency that we've got to help make this team better now. We've got to make an impact now. And there's an opening for the Saints in the NFC. Yeah, With the migration of talent, veteran talent at least, from the NFC to the AFC. And a sense that the Rams and the Buccaneers are the top two teams in the conference. The Saints have swept the Buccaneers in the regular season two straight years the Saints can compete with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers they beat them when Sean Payton wasn't available due to a COVID positive and Dennis Allen slid into the head coaching spot and shut out the Buccaneers so yeah we need impact players now we need guys who can play now and we we think that we're going to get at 16 and 19 two guys who can address immediate needs And make us better. Right. Unless they are. Unless they are. Hey, when you mentioned the Falcons, I mean, that's what you got two teams in your division. I know. That are looking at quarterbacks. Right. And if they're and look, no one's going to get a billboard outside of their team facility that tells us this. If the Saints have fallen in love with one of these guys, I think back to the Patrick Mahomes example. The Saints kept their cards close to the vest about Mahomes. The Chiefs kept their cards close to the vest about Mahomes. The draft experts didn't know to put Mahomes as the best quarterback in the draft, as the top quarterback to go, or at least the top quarterback that should go. Maybe if they had, the Bears would have said, hmm, we're looking at this Trubisky guy. Chris Sims did.
1: Chris Sims put him there.
0: Well, well, but that's good, and they should have listened to you. They should have listened to you. What a different world it would be if Patrick Mahomes was a Bears quarterback. But. But, you know, maybe they're maybe – they're, 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 I, I just – I can't rule yeah, it out I because of I know. the fact that you got the Panthers at six uh-huh. who are desperate for a quarterback and they can't lure an established franchise quarterback to go there and the Falcons at number eight who gave up Matt Ryan for, yeah. you know, a lukewarm bowl of soup and they're going to go forward with Marcus Mariota. At least they want us to think that. And right. Surely that's not their plan. So but, if you can jump both of them – and, and you know, maybe they've already talked to Joe Shane, the Giants GM. What's it going to take to get you to give up the fifth pick? Well, you know, I, 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 I'd like to have a couple picks. I'd like to have two first-rounders. Well, we'll give you next years. No, I want, I want two this year. Okay, we'll go get one. But we don't know. We don't know. We, we don't know. And we won't know because here's the thing. If you are the Saints, you don't move up to five. Definitely not. Until five is on the clock. Right. Because if you move up to five now... Panthers then go the to Panthers four. or the Saints go to four yes that's why when you're going for a specific player you wait until the team that you're doing the deal with is on the clock if you do it prematurely you're blowing your opportunity to possibly get that guy because then you get leapfrogged by whoever else wants
1: him instead I I, I hear you I mean I the the logic I get that totally I do you know I I, I again I do wonder what it, it's going to take I think if you're talking about like the scenario you threw out there, the Giants at five, yeah, those two first rounders, and probably gonna have to throw something else in there as well, you know, for the New Orleans Saints to move up that far. So again, that's where I just look at it and go, wait. I, I mean, again, I'm never gonna be mad at a team for falling in love for a guy, a quarterback, and saying this is our guy, but wow, I would say wow because I just go, I, there's, there's not that guy this year. They're just not, and that's what would surprise me. So uh, I am very intrigued by what the Saints are doing, but my heart's at heart of hearts, I want to say they're doing what you're talking about, that they look at, hey, we're kind of close, we're still kind of good, we're not giving up, we're not rebuilding, let's address you know, two of our three biggest needs there before pick 20 and you know, retool our team and, and go from there. That's where I kind of look at it is rather than, oh, okay, we're going to trade away all these future assets with a team that's got a lot of players that are getting up there in age, so now we don't have the assets to replace them, to get a quarterback that – you know, just about everybody would tell you, you know, all these quarterbacks, they're not in the same class as the, the group last year for the most part. I think that's how a lot of people view them around the NFL. So that'll be the interesting thing to me, unless there's some other player they've evaluated that they like that they feel like they can jump up on. And that, to me, would be a pass rusher or some sort of left tackle uh, if they just had, whoa, this amazing grade or evaluation. But interesting move yesterday, and certainly one you don't see a whole lot in the NFL when it comes to the draft.
0: Let's remember this, too. What were the Saints doing a couple of weeks ago? Who were they trying to get? They were trying to get Deshaun Watson. Yeah, so yeah. quarterback is clearly on their mind. Sure. They could have re-signed Jameis Winston without even starting down the Deshaun Watson path. But Winston was clearly the fallback to Deshaun Watson. Clearly, Watson was the guy they wanted. And we saw what the Browns gave up to get Deshaun Watson. We know it was not going to be easy to get Deshaun Watson away from From the Texans. So you already have the Saints who were willing. They've stretched the rubber band, is my point. Yeah, They've already stretched the rubber band when it comes to giving up a lot of assets to go get a quarterback. So if there is a quarterback that they really love and they're not going to tell us, they've already opened the wallet. They've already stretched that rubber band. They're already in the process, potentially, of making that move. I hear you. And now they've got 16 19 and what else does Joe Shane want? We don't know. But maybe they do. And look, it all hinges on I assume the guy they really want being there. Yeah, exactly. Right? And right. so the, the, the deal may not hey Joe, sorry Joe. Sorry, Joe. Yeah, you know, our guy our guy's not there or we would do it. But I, I just think it's worth keeping an eye on that, given that You've got the Panthers you. and the Falcons so hot and heavy on a quarterback this year. And yeah. all of a sudden, out of the blue, three weeks before the draft, here are the Saints with two first-round picks between 15 and 20.
1: No, I, I I, think a lot of people around the league, myself included, I mean, yeah, there's, you know, you, we, we're all going, I, I, maybe the quarterback, maybe the quarterback. Let's file that away. You know, the other team you got to worry about, you said Atlanta and Carolina, you know, Seattle's in that in that market too. They're sitting there at number nine. So maybe there's a worry there i don 't know either way. it was an intriguing move interesting weird uh, you know to to i don't want to say weird or, and i don 't want to say stupid or but just weird in the fact where you don't see a trade like this go down to acquire middle-of-the-first-round picks very often. I can't remember one like this. I understand what the Eagles did. I get that. You're a player in two drafts. You got an extra first-rounder next year. You moved up, what, 93 picks in the first, third round this year. You know, So from their standpoint, that was, like to me, an easy deal. Like, yeah, hey, whoa, okay, yeah, we'll take it. Uh, the Saints, I'm very interested to know what the thought process is and where it goes um another
0: guy who continues to be a major part of the trade discussions in the NFL even though he has yet to fully sign on board with those speculations DK Metcalf of the Seattle Seahawks a guy who we believe he's available because hey look there's no one on the Seahawks currently untouchable they've already traded their untouchable guy after saying we have no intention to trade him exactly so they say they have every intention to keep DK Metcalf around and again I implore Pete Carroll to never use the word intention again when talking about anything in his life because we're going to assume he's planning to do the opposite of what he's telling us he intends to do because intentions change. With DK Metcalf, you don't have a franchise quarterback to get him the football. You have a guy who's going to want $27, $28 million a year and deserve $27, $28 million a year. So yes, the discussion is the Seahawks may trade him. You've got a team like the jets that tried to get Tyreek Hill. They've got the wallet open for draft picks and cash for an established receiver. You surely have other teams out there. We're going to have a draft later about the teams that, that uh, should be considering making a move for a receiver the most. And, uh, you know, even though DK Metcalf says he hasn't heard anything, I don't know that anyone would tell him anything no, at this right, point. Right. There's no reason to. There's no reason to involve him until the Seahawks get an offer that they like. Then, yeah. hey, DK, we got an opportunity for you. Hey, we, well, you're going to play for the Jets. <laughs> well, the Jets stink. Well, yeah, but the Jets are going to pay you $28 million a year. Oh, the Jets
1: are great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sign me up for the Jets at $28 million a year. Hey, yeah, yes. I, I think the first thing I want to ask, Mike, is just exactly like, What is Seattle doing? That's the first thing I want to know. Are they going to try to, like, patch together this team right here and do something, at quarterback, and wait for Baker Mayfield to be released and go, wait, we're going to try to make this team work? Or are they going to rebuild and just tear it all down and go for it and go, wait, wait, what are we trying to do right now? We don't really have any great players on either side of the roster other than DK Metcalf and Jamal Adams. You know, you get down the list there. After that, it's a lot of unproven commodities. A lot of guys that, you know, have not panned out through the draft from the Seattle Seahawks. So that's like the first thing. I feel like like they dip their toe in the, hey, we might rebuild mode. And then it's kind of like they're kind of just sitting there like, well, we're not sure of the temperature of the water. We're not sure. Do we want to rebuild or do we want to just, you know, try to patch a few spots up and put a Band-Aid here and try to make it work? That's the first thing I ask, Mike, and and that's where I don't know. I don't know. I I do. I was led to believe from people in the NFL that they've been given the green light to tear it down and rebuild. But I, I guess that's the first thing I would start with you. Is just go. Where do you think they want to do first? Like what? Do you, where do you think they're trying well, to go right now?
0: They they've already taken that. Big I ass know. ball. Right. And and taking out the main retaining wall by getting rid of Russell Wilson. So we already know they're in the process of tearing so it down. So why not just and make
1: that, it a fire sale and just do exactly, it? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Well,
0: because part of it is you want to be coy to get your best possible offer. If you yeah. make it too yeah. clear to the world that you want to move this guy, then all of a sudden they're like, well, okay. Well, you know, I guess you do intend to trade him and we intend to give you less than what you would like to get for him. So you do have to slow play it a little bit to get the best possible offer like they probably did with the Broncos and they'd surely like to have not just the Jets and we're assuming the Jets because they've got multiple first round picks and one of which belonged originally to the Seahawks and they were in that Tyreek Hill chase. So they are an obvious team to look at, but I think the Seahawks would like to see who else may emerge with a serious offer not a hey you got a problem here with dk metcalf he's one year away from having his rookie contract expire and you're gonna you're not gonna use the franchise tag on him if you don't have a quarterback who can get him the football and you know what's gonna happen this year if you play it out because he's still young he's not thinking ahead he's focused on keeping himself in shape and glass half full and getting himself healthy and if they really don't have a quarterback to get in the ball, he's going to get frustrated. He's going to start thinking, I want to get out of here. And then you got a big mess when the season is unfolding and after the season. And it no becomes doubt. obvious next year that he's going to be gone, even if you franchise tag. him, It's almost like the situation they were in with Russell Wilson. Now's the time to do it That's, because next right. year it's going to be obvious that this guy's going. So let's do it this year. Yes. Because next year it's going to be too much.
1: That, that, next year we're not going to be able to, to to work the same deal that we can get this year. I, I, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm with you. That. That to me makes the most logic. You know. I, again, you're right. You know. They. got to be coy about this to a degree. I guess it's just you know the fact that we really, you know, we haven't heard that or go like you know that phrase or anything like that. Like we're rebuilding. We're just going to go all in and tear it down and do that. Uh, I guess I'm waiting for that. I don't know why I'm waiting for that, but that just seems the obvious thing here. It does. Like it's it's there's like we talked about last year, you know, and we really have, we've hit on this a lot where it's just where do you look at on the roster right now to go, "Ooh, that's an impressive unit and I understand there's a future here. They can build around that." I mean, we were still talking about offensive line issues, right? You know, the the, the, the running back, hey, Rashad Penny, hey, maybe he can work. Defensive line, there's nobody really to talk about. Linebackers, Bobby Wagner's gone. Maybe the Jordan Brooks can be something. You know, they're, they're, throughout the the roster, they have issues. And to me, yes, I just look at that, and I think you said it right. You're looking for, you know, a problem on the horizon with DK Metcalf. You know, do it now. Strike while the iron's hot and and continue to build these, these assets they got and see if they can rebuild this team one more time for one last run for Pete Carroll and John Schneider.
0: And if you're Pete Carroll and John Schneider, it's important to reduce the expectations as low as possible because then it's easier to overcome the expectations. And that's a real dynamic. Yeah. Coaches are judged by whether and to what extent they meet or exceed the expectations that – are generally in place for their teams heading into a season. So if you completely tear this down, if you push the plunger down on the old dynamite, uh, what's that called? Stick, plunger and box? Stick, no, you, plunger, know, you know, the old uh, know, the cartoon, yes. Wiley right. Coyote, you it pull down, it down, right. it says, and then the, the dynamite, yeah, if you're going to yeah. do that and right. blow the whole damn thing up, then you have lower expectations for the Seahawks for next year they're even lower they're already reduced with russell wilson gone you reduce them even more with dk metcalf gone and no one's going to say well this team should be 12 and 5 they're going to be saying well well, they won five games that's pretty damn good that's progress for these seahawks and that's the weird dichotomy here you got a 70 something coach if he's not 70 yet he will be this year 70 i believe yeah you might be right yeah born the same day as my son but definitely not the same year but uh but, yeah, you, 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 you want to have security beyond this year. And for this team, the best way to, to have security beyond this year is to have everyone think they're going to be horrible at this point. Have everyone think you're going to be horrible. So if you win five, six, seven games, wow, Pete Carroll's Coach of the Year. That's what it's all about. That's how they figure out Coach of the Year. Coach of the Year typically is the guy whose team most exceeds the expectations that we generally had going into the season. Yeah, But Belichick never wins it. Right. We always expect him to be a playoff team. But, hey, the Titans get the one seed. Holy crap, Mike Vrabel, you're the coach of the year. We never expected the Titans to be the one seed. Yeah, right. So from from job preservation standpoint, tear it down, Pete Carroll. Tear it down, John Schneider. And then if you win five or six
1: games – you look like you did a pretty damn good job. Yeah, no doubt. It's part of the that's part of the dance. As far as you know, the politics of coaches, GMs. You're right. Expectations need to be lowered. And, and I'm at the point too where I, I kind of just look at the whole situation and go, I, I would be shocked if DK Metcalf wasn't traded before the draft. That's that's where I feel like I am. I mean, I, I, you know, I think we kind of laid it out. I think it's fairly obvious. Where's the future, man? You're rolling the dice by just thinking, well, we'll keep him around next year and we hope he's happy and we hope Drew Locke makes him happy and then okay, wait, we hope we're going to have a chance to get a quarterback right after that. I mean, to me, like you stated earlier, you're risking too much of the fact of disgruntled, wait, I don't want to be here, the hell with this place, and all of those issues coming about You know, after the 2023 season. So uh, this is definitely one of their biggest assets and Yeah, I would think Seattle would would try to get this done, and I think there's some teams out there that, you know, like you talked about, the Jets, and I'm sure there's a few others that are interested in adding a wide receiver like DK Metcalf, who's just about to start the prime of his career. Unless DK Metcalf is the centerpiece for your marketing
0: plan for 2022, and without him, you feel like you're not going to get people in the stadium, then... Yes, you do it now because fast forward, where are you a year from now? He helped you win eight games instead of six games. If that even, I don't even know the one guy at receiver can make that much of a difference. If you they have a quarterback, they couldn't get, him the, get him the ball
1: with Russell Wilson. What the hell thing may we th- They could not get him the ball with Russell Wilson. We went through a stretch last year where they went like, you know, two or three games where he touched the ball like three or four times or had to wait to the third quarter before he finally touched it. So that's that's the other issue they got too, Mike. You know, you're right, 100%. But that's the laughable thing. They couldn't throw the ball to him and get it to him on a consistent basis with Russell Wilson. So what the hell is going to happen with this next group that's in there right now? What if they have
0: an epiphany that they could – and I know this would be very unseahawk like. What if they decide to use DK
1: Metcalf the way the 49ers use Debo Samuel? Yeah, he's capable of that. That's why when you said the Jets and all that, I just went, "Well, he'll fit in that you know capacity." You know, he's not quite as—he's a bigger human being. Maybe can't accelerate the same way Debo Samuel can. That's what makes him so special. It's zero to sixty in like three steps, but. Yeah, for this this guy's he's he's a freak show. This is one of the greatest athletes in the NFL. Reverses, speed sweeps, throw him slants over the middle off a play action pass. You know, that's why again, you brought up the Jets and that would fit certainly. And I would think that the Seahawks are like you said, hoping to get two or three more teams at the table here to drive up the price and really get some chatter going about this DK Metcalf situation. You've been saying this for a couple of years about Metcalf and it is
0: completely accurate they don't do the things to get him the ball in space to create mismatches it's just run your route and get open and maybe we will throw you the football right when you have a talent like that it's incumbent on your offensive coaching staff and your head coach to allow it to happen because I frankly think a lot of the time the head coach says now we don't want to be fancy like that that's too fancy for my liking come on let's just go play football let's not do all this crap where well no no this crap works you, you design plays that are aimed at getting the ball in your guy's hands and letting him go do special things with it. And you don't see that very often, if at all, with the Seattle Seahawks,
1: with, with a talent like DK Metcalf. No, you don't. You're right. They've, they've been unable to feature him, really, since he's got there. And the fact that, again, he's you know 900 yards, didn't get to 1,000 yards the last two years, I think that says a lot in itself, too. You know, it's just, it's unimaginative. How many times you know, did we come in here during this year and you heard me be silly or joke and go, well, here's the Seahawks. Oh, you run straight, you run straight, and you run straight. Said hike? Okay, wait, everybody's running straight. What do I do? I mean, that's what it is at times. It's just, it's so basic. And then it's, you know, the next play, it's you run a slant, you run a slant, you run a slant. And it's just, okay, That's that's great, but... You know, the Packers and the Bengals and the 49ers are doing more to get their superstar wide receivers the ball in space and that's why that makes them more dangerous on the offensive side of the ball. And yes, they've they've dropped the ball in that department for sure in my opinion, Mike, and, and obviously in your opinion too.
0: He did have 1300 receiving yards in 2020.
1: He yes. had 900. Oh, yeah. I'm as a nine, okay. And, okay. And
0: 967 last year, but he did yeah. have 1303 right. in 2020. Here's one for you. Here's an over under for you.
1: I got a mix up. Over under. Right. Yeah.
0: Over, under, career rushing attempts by DK Metcalf, 7.5. You want over, you want under? Well, I'm going
1: to go under just because you said it there. It's got to be, I'm going to go under from just psychological. It's actually you.
0: only three. It's actually only three. Yeah. I was trying to dupe you into going over. It's three.
1: <laughs> Two as a rookie
0: and one last year for six yards. I'm sorry, but you got to come up with a way. When, that guy is a superhero. He's a superhero who has everything but the cape. How do you not – and we we look at everything Debo Samuel did. Look at what Cordero Patterson can do. How do you not get the ball in D.K. Metcalf's hands and let him build up a little bit of steam and then it's get out of the way or risk serious injury as you get trampled by number 14 –
1: how do they not do that? I, I don't know either. I don't know. I know. You know, There's there's. they definitely don't take advantage of all the talents that he can, you know, give them. That's for sure. Now, the, the next thing I think that's interesting is just like, you know, we kind of hit on it and how they've dropped the ball and using them a little bit. But, I just wonder who are the teams that are going to be out to play to go get a DK Metcalf? You know that that'll be the other interesting thing too. I mean, you hit on the Jets. I would think they're a team that's interested in the conversation. We've seen what Lamar kind of flirt with DK Metcalf on social media. Yeah. They certainly can. You, I know. I don't see that happening. They're not going to do it. They're not going to pay him. I, I I can't imagine either. I'm just going. So then you got the Browns. We know they're looking for another wide receiver. You know, but can they pay him? I don't know. Colts. I think they're a team I look at and go, they need another weapon on that side of the ball. They need another big time, you know, receiver. And I flip over to the NFC Mike, and that's where I then I go, "Uh, okay, who who would be really willing to to give up a lot to go get him there?" And I don't see a ton of teams that really come to mind or like jump out here in the in the NFC at least that I feel like would make a play or try to make a a big play for him. Um, but the Packers and the Chiefs, I I mean, I understand Packers that for sure first
0: round picks. But the Packers could have kept DeVonte Adams. Chiefs could have kept Tyreek Hill. If they didn't want to pay the guys they already had, because that's the other side of this. you got to give up the multiple first-round picks, potentially, and then you got to make the guy happy because he's otherwise going to be destined for the franchise tag or free agency next year. And if you didn't want to pay the guy that you had, what's going to make you suddenly pay the guy that you don't have, the guy that you don't know, that you're going to pay him on the way through the door? Unless Aaron Rodgers is making some major power play behind the scenes that we don't know about. The Packers would not be in this. I've seen this chat. Oh, the Packers plus 500. Yeah, right. Like, when DK the hell Metcalf. have they done this? Why would they do it? Right. Why? That's, first of all, when have they ever done it? Right. And second, why would they do it right after they sent
1: Devontae Adams, their best player not named Aaron Rodgers, to the Las Vegas Raiders? Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And, and again, you know, I don't, I don't think a lot of like guys like DK Metcalf are necessarily going to be banging the door to go like, oh, I'm going to go play in Green Bay. And, then, and, you know, again, what's going to play in the the, the, the factor there is DK Metcalf is going to go, wait, do I really want to sign a six-year contract with the Packers? And then, like, Aaron Rodgers is gone after a year or two? You know, so that, that'll play into that, too. I, I'm with you. I don't think Green Bay gets – this is not in their DNA. So, I know I've seen that chatter, too, and I'm going to be like, what? Like, when has Green Bay ever made a move like this? There's no way. And like you said, why wouldn't they have just paid Devontae Adams or – you know, I know they wanted to. They tried to pay him. Uh, they should have paid As him to earlier. the Ravens? Yeah. As to the Ravens? Right. And this is a great opportunity for
0: Eric DaCosta, the GM of the team, to text or call Lamar Jackson and say, hey, Lamar, one of the reasons we can't go get DK Metcalf is ah, he hasn't done a contract yeah. with us yet, so it's impossible for us to do all this stuff under the cap right. when we have these high-bloated numbers that we're currently expecting for you next year and the following year because we're looking at franchise tags, not the – early contract cap numbers that you would have if you would just sit down with us and do a contract.
1: Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I know. Um, I had something I was going to say there, and I blanked out as I was writing down a note. Uh, but but I, I, I guess the other thing I wanted to bring up, Mike, is just the... Yeah, I I am interested to know you know what other teams are going to be involved in the in the chatter for him because as I sit here in the NFC too, Mike, I look at it and just go and Pete, you can help out too. Is there a team that we look at that would make sense to what? Wait, they're going to try to they have a need at the position and it really makes sense for them to do it right now. You know, again, I know there's Atlanta. We know they need a top-end receiver, but I don't think they're like going to be in the market for hey, let's we're going to rebuild, but send all our picks out the window and and go send a bunch of money to DK Metcalf. I don't think they're going to be in that conversation. But there's no team that really jumps out to me in the NFC right now where I go, ooh, that makes sense, or I could see them making that play. Anybody jump out to you? No, not really. Yeah, not
0: really. I Pete's mentioned in the Buccaneers, they they're not going to do that. They're not making that move. They can't pay for, for, him along with no. Godwin and what they're paying Mike Evans. And, right. and Mike Evans. Right. And Yeah. No, I um, we talked about OBJ yesterday. That's a far more likely outcome for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But look, this is a big move. And I think the Jets make the most sense by far. And if yeah. I'm DK Metcalf and I start looking at Zach Wilson tape, especially at BYU, he didn't get a chance to do much of it last year in New York, but... The stuff that made you put Zach Wilson above Trevor Lawrence, once DK Metcalf sees that, he's like, okay, yeah. here's a guy who can give me the football
1: right. down I, the field uh-huh. wherever I may be. I, I, again, I know the Jets got a you know kind of a bad reputation right now, right? But, man, I think there's a lot of things going in the right direction there. I do. Uh, like the moves they made in the free agency, the things they did in the draft last year, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets are a pain in the butt. And like you said there, the offense – Hey, they, they know how to get the – is going to know how to get the ball to the guy. I mean, his brother is got the ball to Devontae Adams, the guy he learned from. Shanahan gets the ball to Debo Samuel. Do you like your point earlier on? So that, that's a part of this too. Mike, here's another thing I want to throw out into this, and I meant to bring this up when we were talking about the Saints-Eagles trade, but kind of just popped in my mind once again when we got the DK Metcalf, and there's been rumors of this. Like – What do you think? Where do you think the Saints' status is with Michael Thomas at at receiver? Do you think there's a chance they'll dangle him out there by any chance to trade him or do anything there? There was rumors like that, and then it kind of—I haven't heard anything, but there's a part of me that feels like he's going to come up again at some point during the draft process. Well,
0: there have been reports, right? They've they've died down considerably because he's just been a non-factor in New Orleans. But back in twenty. 20. Yeah. The year that started with him getting that fluke ankle injury late in the week one win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and I remember as we were getting ready for football night in America that day, it's like there I I saw it kind of out of the corner of my eye it's like Michael Thomas is hurt and we had no idea how bad it was going to be he's he hasn't mm. played since then. He's hard if at all if he has he hasn't played very much and he had surgery in the off season they were upset that he waited too long to do it and there's been this this friction that he became a diva once he got paid. And you, you can't rule out the possibility that the Saints are looking at this as something they potentially move on from. I've got his contract up like here it. now. It's going to be, you know, you're going to take some some dead money uh, to do this if you're going to move on from him. So and, and Mickey Loomis has shown that he knows how – to create cap space out of nothing, yes he has. But yeah. but but what do you get for him at this point? I That's know. the problem. Uh-huh. It's not like trading DK Metcalf for Tyree Hill or Devontae Adams. Who's going to give you anything significant at this point for Michael Thomas? Urban Meyer's not around anymore to come overpay for him, which he may have done last year to bring back, you know, together himself with a guy from Ohio State. So I don't know who would want him. You're taking a hell of a risk if you take on Michael Thomas. I almost feel like they recognize. What can we really do? Yeah, they gotta We like, paid him all his, this money. Right, yeah. Let's let's see let's see if the guy's ready to play. And if it doesn't work out then, then you figure out what you're gonna do with him after this season. But I, I agree with you. It's been quiet. In the past it's looked like they were fed up with him. Right. But maybe they've had kind of a meeting of the minds. And Dennis Allen reportedly went to go see him, and I think Allen has talked about that openly, just to kind of clear the air and see where things were. If it became an issue between Thomas and Peyton, now that Peyton's gone Maybe they can try to get a clean slate and try to coax something out of Michael Thomas and get a reset on the relationship. But I think you have to do that because no one, no one is going to give you a major
1: draft compensation haul for Michael Thomas at this point. Why would they? I I wouldn't think so either. You're right. They're in a little bit of a, like, they got to kind of put him out there, rebuild his reputation, show everybody he's healthy, you know, and then also... Kind of, you know, squash those rumors that we've all heard. That, yeah, diva or whatever else, issues down there with the Saints after the contract sign. Again, I don't know how true they are, but I know there's a lot of people that in the NFL that feel that way. So, all right, I just wanted to bring that up. I just thought it was interesting. I thought it played into the, the conversation with DK Metcalf a little bit. And I, I thought about it yesterday when the Saints made that trade, thinking like, well, maybe they're going to trade Michael Thomas and get a few more assets to make a play and do something like that. I got I got another reason for it, and yeah. I, I had his contract up, and the numbers looked
0: screwy to me. They restructured his contract in late February. The cap hit would be way too much to trade him, so they're not going to trade they him. They can't do it. That, that, they yeah. crossed that bridge right. in late February. They would be looking at $38 million in cap charges because they converted his salary the most that they could. Right. To a signing, signing bonus, bonus, it spreads it out. So if you do it now, it all comes flowing back along with everything else. And you got a big problem, you got a big cap charge you got to take this year. And and that they would be very hard pressed to pull it off. And when you look at the fact you're not going to get a lot for him in return, I think it looks like they're going to try to make it work with Michael Thomas with a new head coach. And we'll see. Maybe this is it for Michael Thomas, but but we wouldn't add him to the mix. One add to the mix would be Brandon Cooks. The Texans receiver, who is still only 28. That's crazy. I mean, it feels like he's been around the NFL forever because he's been traded and traded and traded and traded and traded. The Browns have entered the conversation as a possible destination for Brandon Cooks. That would reunite him with Deshaun Watson, obviously. The uh, Texans reportedly want a second-round pick for Cooks, which is an impediment to keeping it happen. Now, it used to be he was traded for a first-round pick every time he was traded. The most recent time he was traded, it was for a second-round pick – The Texans want to flip him and get back the second round pick they gave up to get him. I think the Rams were the team that traded him to the Texans. He's gone Saints, Patriots, Rams, Texans. Right. I think. I think you're right. Uh, Right. He was a first rounder of the Saints, traded to the Patriots for the first rounder, plus traded to the Rams for a first rounder, plus, and then traded in 2020 to the Texans for that second rounder. He's available, and, and again, it's the same reason that the Seahawks should be thinking about getting rid of DK Metcalf. We don't have the quarterback to get him the ball consistently. Let's flip this now. Let's get assets now. Let's help rebuild for the future now. And you have a team like the Browns out there who've already picked up Amari Cooper. You add Brandon Cooks to a mix that has Deshaun Watson at quarterback eventually. You got a
1: pretty potent receiving core. And definitely, passing game definitely in Cleveland. Ready to go, like a group that's ready to go right off the bat. You had that with Donovan, people, Jones, and Schwartz, like we've talked about before, David and Joku, those two running backs. I'd be, That would be a pretty damn good, you know, tried and proven unit right there. To your point, again, it takes away the, well, he's a rookie, wide receiver. We hope he is what he is. You know, Brandon Cooks is a really good football player. You know, And people out there might go, well, then why might he be on another team here soon? Well, okay, there's some issues here. He has a concussion history. That's scary. He's not real big. And because of that, I think teams are always a little afraid to go, wait, I don't know if I want to do a long-term commitment and throw a ton of money at a guy like this. Concussion issue, not very big. I think it scares them to a degree. So that's why – you know, he's been in some spots here where it seems like people want to get rid of him. But, man, can still run by you for big plays. An extremely good route runner. You know, he's going to be hes smart. You know he's smart. The offenses he's been in with the Saints, the Patriots, and the Rams, you got to be smart to be able to play wide receiver in those units. So, he certainly can help out a football team. And I'll be interested to see if they can really get a second round pick for for Brandon Cooks. That that'll be an interesting one. Uh I, I feel like they could probably get a third for sure. Second, uh I think it'll be be a little bit of a different story. Well and you could do
0: and and I still think teams should do this more often. We saw it last year with Carson Wentz yeah. in the trade right. that sent him from Philadelphia and Indianapolis, a future pick that is tied to what the guy does in this season, whether it's Tied to performance, playing time, whatever. You have conditional picks. Teams don't like to tie their hands with conditional picks. You know, you could trade Brandon Cooks for a 3-23 and that becomes a 2 if he starts more than 14 games or something like that, or if he takes X percent of the snaps, or if he catches 65 passes, whatever it may be, you could do that. I I feel like teams resist doing that because then if you're the Browns, you've got – both your third-round pick and your second-round pick for 23 tied up until we know which one goes to the Houston Texans.
1: Yeah, but that
0: may may be the kind of flexibility you need because at this point, yeah, what's he really going to do for the Browns, and is it second-round worthy? If it is, you want the Texans to be protected. If it's not, you want the Browns to be protected. But that could ultimately be Him and
1: Watson, ooh, I mean, him and Watson, they they tore it up two years ago. People forget about it before Watson got in trouble and all that they they yeah. had a pretty good damn connection going on. When Quincy Avery, the personal quarterback's coach of Deshaun Watson said not that long ago on the
0: Ryan Rosillo podcast that in 2020 Deshaun Watson was throwing to a bunch of guys who would have been working at Walmart, Brandon Cooks was not one of the guys who would have been working at Walmart. <laughs> no, he, he is not. not one of those guys. He it was, was not, not directed at him. It was no. directed at the rest of them, but not at him.
1: <laughs> no, exactly right. Brandon Cooks is, you know, one of those under the radar, really damn good players that we don't quite put him in the top receiver conversation, you know, the superstar receiver conversation, but he's one of those guys that's still you can look at him and go, you can justify him being a number one receiver, and if he's not your number one, he's a really awesome number two. That's for sure. The buyer beware on Brandon Cooks. Remember,
0: he's had an extensive history of concussions. Yeah. I see that 2017 with the Patriots. Remember in Super Bowl 52, he got hit by Malcolm Jenkins yes. early. right. Blown up. I mean, blown up. And he's had at least four that we know of. Yes. So that's something to be concerned about. But he still had 1,000 receiving yards I know. last year. With Davis Mills and who else? Oh, Tyrod Taylor, right? Was it yeah. Tyrod Taylor and Davis Mills? Yeah, that's right. Uh, yes, yeah. So, uh a thousand yards, but so they're not. The that's, that's what's scary. You're right.
1: Teams don't want to give him the long-term contract size and the concussion history and all that. You know, it's hard to want to go. Okay, we're going to pony up and give a guy a lot, a big guaranteed, you know, slot of money there. And when you go, man, maybe one more concussion, because the last time he got his concussion, we were all a little bit like, uh ooh, that's a lot in a short period of time. You know, where's he going to go from here? You know, fortunately, he's dodged the bullet and hasn't had to deal with another one, but. That would scare me certainly if I was a GM. Speaking of blown up, our good friend Mary, the Eagles fan in Atlanta,
0: points out that the plunger goes into the detonator. That is the. There one it I
1: is. Let it
0: go, Mary. For a half hour ago, I'm answering a question from 30 minutes ago, and there's Wiley e. Coyote. Yes, there you there's go. No detonator or plunger there, <laughs> but that's an old, an old graphic. You're so, bit, so easy to had... fool. It's a painting, Mike. I mean, it's just a painting. Yeah, it's not a real yeah. tunnel.
1: You well, and I'm going to yeah. keep
0: running into it until we go to break. Yeah. Let's take a break. One return. Bobby Wagner has no hard feelings for the Seahawks, unless, of course, he does. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this. Aaron Donald back in Pittsburgh doing Aaron Donald things. At least there are no knives in this video. Look We've seen that. him working out with look knives. and pa- How that guy moves. Whoa. Hey, Rams. Oh, my gosh.
1: I know. Shot out of a cannon, Shot too. out of a cannon is right.
0: Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Rams, give that man his guess money. Guess he's not retiring, huh? I guess he's no, look kind like of he staying in not. shape
1: here. <laughs> I'm
0: telling you what, though. One of these years, one of these years... We're going to hear about him wanting to play for the Steelers because I think the whole thing about him maybe retiring was a manifestation of the fact that it's a long season. He's a Pittsburgh guy, yeah. and I think he'd like to play in Pittsburgh, and maybe the Rams will accommodate that at some point. And if I'm him, part of what I do, if I, especially if I leave some money on the table in this contract, I look someone in the eye, whether it's Stan Kroenke, Les Snead, Sean McVay, somebody that's going to be there when the time comes, however many years into the future it is. And I want to get some sort of an assurance that when I come to you in two or three years and say, I'd really like to play for the Steelers, we find a way to make it happen. I doubt the Steelers would say no. That's the other no, side of no. this. The Steelers may say no. I doubt they would say no. But I I, I feel I, – I think that that's part of why the chatter of potential retirement emerged. It really – It really is two different worlds. I I I went from Pittsburgh to L.A. and from L.A. to Pittsburgh nine days apart. It really is two two different planets. It's two different solar systems. So I can understand why Aaron Donald would be feeling the attraction to be in Pittsburgh all the time. If you're a Pittsburgh guy, L.A. does not fit with who you are. It just doesn't. Sorry, L.A. No offense intended. Not that anyone cares. It doesn't fit with who you are. So I... Use this opportunity, Aaron Donald, to extract a wink-nod promise, unenforceable, which means they may not follow through, but I'm a firm believer that one of these days we're going to be talking about Aaron
1: Donald trying to get back to Pittsburgh and maybe the Rams will make it happen for him. I I hear you. I I mean, home is home. I don't care who you are. I mean, there's always a a spot in your, your heart for home. And he obviously does like Pittsburgh. He's there every off season, like we see. So I'm with the, the you, Mike. Steelers, the Steelers I mean, and, the, and the Pitt Panthers share that. He's right. there all the time. He
0: already is very familiar with the building where he'd be working if he played for the Steelers. Extremely familiar. I, no, with that's
1: him. when you know you're the man, right? I mean, you know you're the man when you just go, hey, leaving my Super Bowl championship team to go across the country and, hey, old college team, I'm just going to use your facility whenever I want. That, that's when well, you, know well, you hit well, that. But, yeah. I'm doing
0: the research here. I yeah. think he made a sizable donation. Apart from the fact that he's I'm one sure of the all-time greats. D- yeah. He doesn't to need to make any donation. The uniform,
1: right. <laughs>
0: there's a, there was 200000 recently. That was just this year. He just made a $200,000 donation. In 2019, it was a seven-figure commitment to the Pitt Football Championship Fund. He's got license. Right? That, that's more than any fee you're going to pay at any gym in the world. He can go work out there whenever he wants. I think they've named things after him there, They too. should. When well, I your mean... name is on one of the rooms, I think. Also, who's going to tell him no? <laughs> who's going to say no? Who's going to say, you know, Mr. Donald, the facilities are closed today for only the people who are actually part of the football program. He is the football program at Pitt. And I'm just telling you, I – It may never happen, but I feel like that draw is there for Aaron Donald to spend a year or two in the twilight of his career with the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, Bobby Wagner hitting the twilight of his career, and he is not with the Seattle Seahawks. He was cut abruptly, abruptly, without warning to him. He found out about it like the rest of us did. They didn't tell him. That's crazy. They leaked it. They leaked it. They didn't tell him. They didn't bother to tell him. Here's Bobby Wagner from yesterday after signing his contract with the LA Rams on not communicating his release. The Seahawks not communicating his release to him. Here he is.
2: Personally, I think after, you know, 10 years, I think it's just a simple communication. I don't think it it had to be that difficult. You know, I I watched their interview and I I saw the apology. I'm, I'm grateful. But, you know, when they said it was because I represented myself I feel like that that part was weak. I don't feel like me representing myself, whether I had an agent or whether I didn't have an agent. I still felt like that was a conversation that they could have had. Um, you know, that's that's kind of where I stand with it. A lot of people think that you know it went into my decision um, being able to play the Seahawks. Um, I don't have that much hate in my heart. Um, I think I really wanted to be happy, and I wanted to be you know close to home and, and and stay on the West Coast. That was important to me. But playing the Seahawks twice a year was a cherry on top and uh you know they'll make i'll make sure they see me every time uh we play them so they'll know where i'm at and i'll make sure you know i i'll I'll tell them it won't be a quiet game for me
0: he has no hate in his heart what would he have said if he did have hate in his heart (laughs) he's ready to go face the seahawks and hey that adds to the flavor that adds to the luster that adds to the allure of this rivalry between the rams and the seahawks although it may not be much of a rivalry of all years in his career to be dumped by the Seahawks. This would be the one because it's not like it's going to be the knockdown drag out. We've seen in the past. The Rams are clearly better than the Seahawks at this point, And Bobby Wagner will probably have a couple of potent games against Seattle when the Rams play them this year, Chris.
1: Yeah, no, no doubt. Hey, he's, he can still play. We know that fits with the Rams, what they do tried true you know, veteran football player. They, they, you know, did not have great performance in the second level of their defense last year at the linebacker precision. So he's certainly going to improve them that way in that direction. And, you know, as far as like the, the Seahawks stuff, I'm just, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm shocked to hear that. I really am. I really, am just like, no call, not, nothing, not a warning that this is going to happen. No, well, I, I understand what, what yeah, he's representing himself, but how does that really change things? I don't really know. But do you like, not call his agent? I mean, right? You would call his, his agent, the agent would call not. the player. Like, what's the difference exactly? right. Well, I don't get what it. Was it was it was it the same mindset as who's going
0: to tell Aaron Donald no? I mean, it's like, who, who gets the short straw here to call Bobby Wagner? I'm not calling Here, I'm saying, hey, hey, Pete, I'm not calling him. You, This was your idea. You're the one. You call him. Well, I know I'm calling No, you call him. No, no that's, uh, but, but, but regardless, and, and look, let's hear a little bit from Bobby Wagner about acting as his own, as his own agent because we got some things we need to talk about as it relates to players negotiating their own contracts. Here's Wagner okay. talking about being cut by the Seahawks and then going into agent mode and finding his next deal
2: obviously, you know, I never thought I was going to leave Seattle. Um, I always wanted to be in Seattle, Um, you know, but as soon as they let me go, you know, you had to kind of separate the emotions of a player and an agent, you know, I can be frustrated as a player, but at the end of the day, um, I had a job to do to try to figure out, you know, where my next home was going to be. And so I kind of just switched mindsets. I feel like I do a a pretty good job of um, kind of being two different people, one as a player, one as an agent. So, Uh, You know, player kind of took it personally, but the agent just went to work. And so I just, you know, started calling teams and reaching out to teams. I think a lot of teams didn't know that I represented myself. So, um, you know, I got in contact with with teams and made sure they knew that I was the person they was going to reach out to directly and, you know, just kind of started the process from there.
0: And look, he has done well for himself negotiating his own contracts. Other guys, especially their first time around, have been. Not uh, in a great position at the end of the day. Now, here's one of the untold secrets about this: they all have people helping them. They're not doing it themselves. Right? They're not doing it themselves. They have people who are helping them. There are names out there. People in the industry know the names. There are people who are helping the players who are representing themselves. They're not paying them a percentage. I don't know what they're paying. They're paying by the hour or what? They just give them a flat rate. They're not paying a percentage, and that's what a lot of the players who choose to represent themselves are trying to get away from. We've had that conversation recently as it relates to Lamar Jackson because I believe he doesn't want to have to pay the percentage even though 97 98 99% of the pie that a good quarterback agent would get him is much larger than the 100% he's going to get on his own, especially right now when he has 100% of nothing. But for the most part, teams like it, when players represent themselves. I've been saying this for a few years yeah, now. And definitely. this is its is like, oh, you're trying to help the agents. No, I'm trying to help the players. Because if you want to represent yourself, that's fine. More power to you. But But quit trying to get other guys to do the same thing, to validate your decision to represent yourself. Because the teams do this when they get to negotiate with a guy directly. They do this because at some level, there's going to be an imbalance at some level. There's going to be an opportunity because they do it all the time. They're doing it over and over and over again. They know where all the secrets are. They know where the tricks are. They know how to do anything and everything that isn't obvious on the surface to someone who never does it. Yeah. And if you are a player, you're doing it once or twice during your entire career. If you're the team, you're doing it all the time. And if you're an agent who is skilled and experienced, you're doing it all the time. You need to fight fire with fire and get a fair negotiation here. And it's going to be very difficult for a player to ever get a truly fair negotiation ever because they rarely do it. And the teams do it all the time, right? It's like anything else we've talked about, you know, if I don't have time to paint my house, I'm not going to paint my house. I'm going to get somebody who knows what they're doing to do it. There are people out there who are skilled and experienced, but, Some of these guys, and it started with Richard Sherman and Russell Okung. I'm not afraid to say it. I've said it before. It's not enough for them to just say, we're going to do it ourselves. They're on this anti-agent crusade, and I think it's harmful to players. They think they're helping. They're hurting because they're putting ideas in players' heads that they can go do this themselves when the reality is the specialists in the industry, the best ones out there especially, are the ones who should be doing this because the players are going to be in a better position if they entrust their careers to folks who know what they're doing, and that is an honest assessment aimed at helping the players, truly and genuinely helping the players get the most that they can from the teams because the teams would love it if every player represented himself. They would love it if every player was doing the contracts on their own. It'd be a lot more money paying for super yachts if every player represented himself. I guarantee you that.
1: Definitely. It's their playing field. I mean, you, you described it the right way. It's, it's This is what they do. You know, they got more reps, they got more experience. I mean, it's, it's everything you talk about as experienced football player, a good football player. Yeah, you're you're on their field now, football player, and you know they're better on that field than you know you are. It'd be like we talked about, like bringing one of the front office guys down to the football field and be like, all right, now play football against Bobby Wagner. It's it's can be uneven, that's for sure. Uh, it's definitely a slippery s- slope. I agree with you a hundred percent. The agent has great value to me. I would never flirt with that or deal with or, or want it. I wouldn't want to deal with it one, nor would I think that I know the little nuances that are not in my profession or not my craft to, you know, know all the little tricks of the trade and how to make it work. So um, that's where I'm with you. It's dicey. And I don't think players should just be throwing that out there, especially to some of these young guys that are out there. And we've seen again, not going to name names, but we've seen players negotiate their own contracts, and it wasn't well, that, that great. Did. You're right. <laughs> you don't need to. Well, I know. Richard but- Sherman's first deal with the Forty
0: ers was so bad the union had to intervene and go to the Forty ers and say, "Can we change some of this stuff here? Because
1: you you really put one over on. Right, right, Can we change some right. of these things? Because this is really bad. Yeah, that happened. That happened. I know. I know it did. And you know, with with Wagner, though, I, I read some of your details yesterday on on, on Pro Football Talk. Maybe, looked like he did a decent job as far as protecting himself again I'm no expert here but you and I and you're better than me I mean we do this all the time we look at contracts and at least know some of the nuances that help a football player out and I will say just from the basic look of it it does look like he did a decent job of you know future roster bonuses and things like that that protect him a little bit and give him some money you know down the road if they cut ties one way he did a very good job as it relates
0: to agents is he cooked a lot of fluff into the contract to make it look bigger than it is. So congratulations for that. It's not five years, $50 million, yeah. right? And, and if it's one year, and I went into the analysis of the contract when it showed up yesterday, and it's the, sometimes I get a breakdown yeah. from somebody that I trust who breaks them down and gives me the, the here's the payments. Sometimes I have to take the raw contract and look at it and analyze it myself. And what happened yesterday was there's a couple of different 2023 conditional guarantees. One has offset language, one doesn't. And as it turns out, and this was a good move by him, he's got a three and a half million dollar roster bonus that pays out next year. It's actually vested in March, pays out in April. That doesn't have offset language. So he's getting ten million from the Rams. Six right. and a half this year, three and a half next year. Whether he gets anything more beyond this year, well, you know, and it's 10 million. It's basically three and a half million is deferred into next year without the offset obligation. The talk around the league was it's six and a half million this year, three and a half million next year with offset. That's where the rumor mill and the grapevine were wrong. There is no offset. So he's getting the 10 and he wanted one year, 11.5. Peter King reported that last week. So he gets one year 10. What happens after this year remains to be seen. The Rams Will have an incentive to say if he's not living up to what they expect, we're gonna pull the plug on this or we redo the deal or whatever. He could have gotten more from the Ravens. He could have gotten eighteen million fully guaranteed over the first two years, more guarantees at signing. Yeah. But he just he chose not he chose not to go to Baltimore. He wanted to be in LA, I think for maybe some family reasons, and those are perfectly legitimate reasons to accept the offer from the Rams. So yeah, he did well for himself. But just because he's done well for himself yep. doesn't mean that every player should be doing it on their own because most players, the vast majority of players, are far better served having an agent, especially Lamar Jackson, who's too focused on football to even bother to sit down with the Ravens and have the conversation, Well, Well, that, that's, that's
1: a real problem. That, that That's really the issue. And, uh, you know, this time of the year, maybe you get away with it, but yeah, anytime you're in the football season or dancing around the football season OTAs training camp in the middle of the football man it's it's you're, you're playing quarterback especially there's no time to think about anything else it's it's you don't want to be dealing with that but even now he won't do it no we I know we, we I, I, over the weekend he's told the Ravens he's not doing anything until after the season I I, I just I'm blown away by that I just cannot I cannot get over it. I really can't. It's totally crazy. I I can't believe we're in here in this position with with Lamar Jackson. He's he's risking a lot. We're rooting for him, but man, it's risky for sure.
0: I I I just hope we need to go to break, but I hope that someone has explained it to him and he understands it and he's still making that decision. As long as it's an informed decision, you got every right to do it. The right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness includes the inalienable right to make decisions that may screw your life up, but you have the right to make them. You, 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 that, that's that's your right, but I just hope he understands. I hope someone has said to him, look, look, you play the position in a very specific way. There's no guarantee when you get to the end of your seventh year and you become an unrestricted free agent, you are going to have anything left physically. You feel great now. And we're not talking about a broken ankle. We're talking about an accumulation of injuries that may get him to the point where he just can't play like he currently does. And there is a huge pile of money waiting for you right now. Do you understand the risks? Yes, I do. Okay, if you do, that's great. I just hope someone has fully explained it to him and he realizes what he is risking by embarking on this because it makes no sense. It's unprecedented because it makes no sense to be taking this specific path. When, as we said last week, the truck is there, the back door's open, the money's on the lift gate, it's ready, it's waiting, go get it. Especially since it would help your team create some cap space and some cap certainty. So maybe they could go after a DK Metcalf. Yeah, that's, you know, yep. yeah. All right, let's take a break. When we return, the commanders continue to go back and forth with others who are trying to drag them down. We'll get you up to speed on the latest controversy involving DC's football team when PFC Live continues right after